Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Here in Chicago, local health officials and organizations are seeing a slide in childhood immunizations. In some neighborhoods, up to half of the kids in child care are missing required vaccinations. Is it because of the pandemic? Is it something else? Either way, parents are skipping wellness visits where kids could get shots for preventable diseases like the measles or whooping cough. In a few minutes, we'll check in with folks from local health care clinics who are raising the alarm about this. But first, let's bring in Cassie Walker-Burke. She's Bureau Chief of Chalkbeat Chicago, a nonprofit news organization reporting on education in the city. Cassie, welcome back to Reset. Thanks, Justin. So what made you look into this issue and what did you find? I accidentally stumbled on it, actually, when I was looking at data for another story I was working on in early childhood centers. So Chicago has hundreds of publicly funded child care centers around the city, and there's all kinds of data that you can get about the children that are in them, and they tend to be low-income kids whose parents qualify for a subsidy for child care. And so I saw this immunization data and I had seen some national warnings that vaccination rates were slipping. And when I saw the Chicago data, my jaw literally dropped because historically Chicago has actually had pretty high vaccination rates compared to other cities. It was sort of a point of pride. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, 96 percent, 97 percent or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's close to 95, actually, but that's pretty high. So that's and that's just looking at, at measles, um, the MR vaccine. And so I started looking around and I waited actually a few months on the story. And I looked at the data again, because I know even as a parent that trying to get your kids in to see a doctor in the middle of a pandemic for children who are well was maybe something that parents weren't doing. And there's a few things that are going on here, right? There's a slide in vaccinations, which is saying there's access issues. But we're also seeing some other things that are coming up. We're seeing a resurging distrust of vaccines, mm. which is problematic on you know yeah, a whole right, lot of levels. Right, right. And then you're also seeing that vaccines are really a proxy issue for access to pediatric health care. So kids aren't going in and they're not getting vaccinated. They're also not seeing the doctors for screening for de- delays for autism, mm-hmm. lead poisoning, and really scary child abuse. I was surprised, and it's not surprising, it's not shocking, I guess it's not stunning when you think about it, but there's a distrust of the medical community because of racism in the past, and many people who may be from black and brown communities in Chicago see it that way, that, that they're not necessarily uh, whatever the doctor says goes. Right. There's concern that this sort of lingering or latent distrust is starting to to rise. And part of that is the political, you know, the political, the way we've talked about COVID politically, the, the fear of vaccines. And so how the city addresses this issue now, and not just the city, but, um, you know, pediatricians and, and how how this issue gets addressed now on the childhood side could actually have ramifications for uptake on an adult vaccine should, you know, once right. an adult vaccine arrives. One thing is just kind of like off the top of my head when I think about it, I'm like, you know, knowing, uh, you know, having a 13-year-old son and how vaccinations have worked, they a lot of times are tied to school. You can't get into school if you don't have your measles, rubella. If you don't have, you can't get into the daycare center if you don't uh, have these vaccinations uh, on your card. So why is that uh, off this year? Is it because of COVID? It is. So the October 15th deadline was sort of a, a well-worn, you know, schools knew kids could start the school year, but if they didn't have their 
paperwork by October 15th, they had to go home. And that was a deadline that really helped a lot of parents you know, get things done. Well, the state essentially said to districts, if your kids are learning virtually, which as we know, Chicago Public Schools right. is completely virtual now, then the October 15th deadline doesn't essentially go into effect. They said, actually, technically, they said, you still have a deadline, but there's no enforcement mechanism on it. And and so I think that that sort of hard deadline, which a public health expert said was, you know, something that was very helpful, has now become a soft. Is that possible? Like, deadline. let's say that the CPS gets back into the schools uh, by, you know, the, the winter, spring at some point. Um, will the the numbers that you're seeing go up because they'll have they'll be they'll be mandatory requirements for for vaccinations? That is the thinking. I don't know how long they would extend the deadline or what that would look like. But I think you also have to look at how the other side of this is that the pandemic has also affected where people can go to get vaccinations. Mm -hmm. So before the pandemic, the city had five different sites that were actually free vaccination clinics. And so this is for the underinsured, the undocumented. Um, and then there was also a mobile van that went around. The pandemic actually shuttered the sites and stopped the van. Now, two of the sites were back up and running as of September, and the van was back up and running. But I think you have to also think about the access side of the yeah, question. Right. So I think that the issue now is how do we get out the word or how does the city get out the word um, both to pediatricians to say, okay, whatever system you're using to reach out to families, it's time to make sure you're doing that, right? right. Are you text messaging families? Are you reaching out to them? And so thinking about how do individual doctors and doctor's offices do this sort of practice, restarting the sites. And then also, I think it's really interesting that the city has historically relied on sort of a grassroots organizing approach to send people out to communities to have conversations about sometimes it's childhood vaccines, sometimes it's the flu vaccine, sometimes it's something like the HPV vaccine. Mm -hmm. And so remobilizing that sort of grassroots approach and having conversations on the ground with people about why vaccines matter in this moment, helping connect them to clinics and resources. And so it, it, it really can't be just one strategy, and it never has been. But I think the pandemic interrupts those strategies. And so the city has to sort of retool. Well, whenever we're talking about vaccines, obviously, we go to COVID-19 and the, uh, the obvious, everything that's happening to lead up to a vaccine, vaccination and, and, or vaccine and a dis the distribution of that vaccine. Are local health officials worried that there will be a similar trend once COVID-19's vaccine is, is approved and distributed? Health officials right now are putting together plans for what happens when the vaccine comes through. And we have to also remember that right now the discussion is about a vaccine for adults. We're not even talking yet right, about a COVID right. vaccine for children. And that is one note that I thought was really interesting in all of my interviews. That seemed to actually be a point of concern for health officials. As they were starting to put together their plans, what about a vaccine for children? We're not even talking about that yet. And so as a country, and so that to me seemed to be the note of concern that I heard. Um, again, Chicago has had this history of having this multi-pronged way of, of spreading the word about childhood vaccinations. And there, and there was some thought of using a lot of that to try to, to do similar things for the COVID vaccine. But again, if you don't have a vaccine yet for children, even in trials, um, what is that going to look like? Right. And how is that going to affect things like school reopening and schools reopening and staying reopened? Yeah, absolutely. Always great. Cassie Walker-Burke, Bureau Chief of the Education News site, Chalkbeat Chicago. Cassie, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. 
All right, I want to bring in some other voices to this conversation. Joining us now to discuss what local health organizations are doing to raise awareness around slipping vaccination rates in Chicago is Ted Hofstadter. He's the Director of Quality and Practice Transformation at Esperanza Health Centers, which operates four healthcare clinics on the southwest side. Ted, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. And also Jamal Malone, Chief Executive Officer at Ada S. McKinley Community Services. That's an umbrella agency for 14 child care sites that together enroll about 750 kids on the south side. Jamal, welcome. Hi, Justin. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Ted, why are lower childhood vaccination rates concerning to you? One of the big things is that making sure kids are up to date on vaccines takes long-term strategic planning, and it may take a while before we see the full, I would say, full dip of the impact of uh, lower vaccination rates. And it's I'd say, you know, another big thing is um, it's not as easy as just kind of coming in once and becoming up to date on your vaccines when you see your pediatrician, there are schedules and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so kind of the further that folks fall behind, the more energy and and effort and planning it takes to to catch people up. And I think, you know, now with people going indoors and being in close quarters for the winter, we really want to make sure that kids and everyone, but definitely kids are are vaccinated so that we can decrease that risk of, um, of transmission. Yeah, and Jamal, what are you finding among your clients at ADAS McKinley and families on the South Side? Yeah, so it's really interesting because when we look at our, our history as an organization, we've been around for 101 years. We just celebrated our 100-year anniversary last year, and Ada Sophia McKinley started ADAS McKinley in the middle of the Spanish flu pandemic. Mm. And so when you look at fast forward to today, we're having similar issues that we as an agency addressed back then. In particular with uh, vaccinations, just to point out the historic overview, there's a tendency or a distrust based on the way African-Americans were treated throughout history with our health system. And so when you go back to the Tuskegee experiment of the 30s, all the way to fast forward to today where you look at the rhetoric politicized coming out of the White House right now around the COVID-19 vaccination is created uncertainty, confusion, and distrust. And so with our process to enroll students in our Head Start sites, and now we're experiencing uh, where there's a limit of access. Mm-hmm. So even myself and my family, my wife and I, we have three young sons. We had trouble getting our flu shots this year. I went to our primary care physician. They didn't even have access, so we had to go to a uh, CVS where they're obviously warehousing due to their uh, PBM, their uh, pharmacy benefit mail-order warehouses, they've got a ton of flu shots. But when you can't get them from your primary care physician in the middle of COVID-19, how are we supposed to expect access for folks that are in our Head Start programs that may have lower economic and systematic access to health care? That's such a great point. And and I would also suggest, Ted, that that there, there are consequences we don't even know about yet just from the months, I mean, we talked to Cassie, the months of continued vaccination delays. Yeah, I would agree, <clears throat> you know, especially a lot with newborns and things like that. So I, I think we're going to see this kind of play out over the next couple of months and years. I mean, it's it's really important that, that folks are up to date and, and are coming in. And I know there's um, just kind of speaking to the, the access issue, you know, we're a federally qualified health center. We have four sites on the south and southwest side. We serve about 30 thousand patients a year and just over 90 percent of our our patients are hispanic or latino and over 70 percent prefer to speak spanish and so some of the big things that we've seen are you know sort of these issues around the public charge and the politics around you know um, public benefits Mm 
-hmm. And so people being afraid to come in to, to access services and access care. And so that's something that, you know, especially with kids, we've had to work really, really hard to let people know how they can connect with us. Um, we actually do, uh, we've been doing like a series of Well Child Wednesday videos to talk about the importance of Well Child visits and immunizations and pediatric care and especially how to, to access our clinic during the pandemic. And at the beginning, we really made sure that Well Child visits, where a lot of these vaccinations are administered, were sort of the essential services that we were still delivering face-to-face. -face. And our pediatric crew has really worked hard to outreach to patients. I guess our patients aren't necessarily you know, hesitant to take vaccination, but they're just really worried about the safety of the clinic. Like, mm -hmm. is it safe for me to bring, you know, my family and to get vaccinated? And we have, you know, working really hard to make sure folks are, are aware of how we're keeping them safe and the precautions that we're taking to really reduce mm -hmm. COVID-19 transmission on site. Jamal, how do you even start an outreach program? Because all the things that Ted mentioned that get in the way of that, and, and even you mentioned about distrust in, in the medical community, a PSA or a poster on a bus stop, that's not going to do much to that. So what do you do when you're talking about trying to convince uh, people who are your clients at ADAS McKinley that you got to get back on the vaccination trail? It really is grassroots. Text messaging, phone calls, individual follow-up. You know, it used to be where we could talk with a parent when they're dropping off their kid mm -hmm. at one of our sites or one of our partner sites. And now, because we've lost that interpersonal communication, that aspect, we have to use virtual means, texting, uh, e even down to, to FaceTime or some of the other video chats to connect with parents one-on-one. -on -one. I can't even imagine how that is a, a newfound responsibility for your uh, shop, for either of you guys, to, to be able to have to go and do that uh, direct address, have those conversations when you can't have them in person. Ted, how difficult is it for your staff to, to have to pick up that part of it as well? Um, you know, I was just thinking about what Jamal was saying about the, the outreach and the, and the sort of ways to communicate with patients. We did do a, like a pretty big telehealth transformation in March and April to respond to the pandemic. And our team really hustled. I think those types of transformations usually take like a year and we just ran with it and have been going with it ever since. And so, yes, part of it is, you know, the work of letting patients know how to engage us. Um, but it's been really interesting because we found that access is actually better and we can connect with people more. And we are, we've been ex uh, experimenting with these hybrid visits where we would do, you know, a telehealth visit and then folks would just come on site for labs or vaccines. And so that's really helped our families come in. And I think, you know, we're pretty data driven. And so we really leverage the power of our electronic medical record to see like who isn't in care and who needs to come into care. And we have a, a integrated care model where we have uh, what we, who we call care coordinators reaching out and calling patients and, and addressing, you know, any concerns they might have and really explaining the importance of vaccines and really getting people scheduled and addressing those concerns of like insurance or um, things like that that might be barriers. Yeah. It's hard to wrap your head around because you're trying desperately to not get us in that situation where there's an outbreak before you have to say, now you know. Yeah. Through those, you know, changing relationships, you know, seeing folks we used to see folks more in person and now we're more online. We have been having, you know, when it's safe, uh, distribution events of like supplies, food, connecting people to resources and just making sure that at every patient contact, especially with families and with uh, kids, really kind of communicating how, how to connect with us, seeing what their barriers are and really working to connect them to care. That's definitely a concern that we have, and, and childhood vaccinations are a big priority for, for uh, us as an organization and especially our pediatric providers. 
it's an astounding story. You can find it in Chalkbeat, but it's also one that is happening mm-hmm. uh, in the communities here in Chicago. Ted Huffstatter is Director of Quality and Practice Transformation at Esperanza Health Centers. And Jamal Malone, great conversation, Chief Executive Officer at Ada S. McKinley Community Services, sounding the alarm that the rates of childhood vaccinations in the Chicago area are going down. Thanks so much, Ted, for joining us, Jamal, as well. Thank you. And that is today's Reset. For more conversations like this, make sure you subscribe to WBEC's Reset and take five seconds, literally five seconds, to give us a rating. It helps other people find us. Enjoy the day. I'm Justin Kaufman. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd App Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerd App wherever you get your podcasts.